Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, up there in Oak Ridge. My good friend, fellow University of Tennessee alumni, stats by Will. Will, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I, I don't really know how to live in this new world mm. where uh, streaks end after 16 years and Tennessee scores points because when I was in school, I sat through games that ended in a 14-3 and 10-9 and whatnot. So little alien feeling to uh, to be seeing all of this. Well, then you had your video I saw you posted today from the Butch Jones era that yes. <laughs> we will not divide us, which I'd never seen before. Very funny um which people can go check out on your twitter feed but uh yeah no we've come a long way since that uh that time period life is a uh, life is a lot different now but it's uh it's pretty cool and it's like you know you've been kind of bringing it up every time we record but it really is everything's cool at ut i yes. mean this is you know top i don't know top three football top, top three in football i think they're frankly i think they're going to be number one and number two when the playoff thing comes out but whatever um, you know, 11th and men's hoops, top five women's top 15 men's and women's swim teams. Baseball is baseball. Softball is a yearly power. I mean, it's, and you know, like tennis is doing really well. It's really hard to name a sport at the university of Tennessee. That's not popping off at the moment. And, uh, you simply must thank Dr. Danny for his hard work. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, they're going to get one. I don't know who's going to get the title, but it's just too much success across the board. Someone's winning uh, a national title. Um, but I don't know. I think it's uh, it's going to be cool that we're going to be here for it when it uh, finally does happen and Knoxville does burn. Um, Will. Yeah, that ends the Homer portion of this podcast for now. Yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> um, well, you announced in a really great post that everyone should go read at satswywill.com about uh, your future, writing about Tennessee, Tennessee basketball what's uh, been going on the last few months and um it was really good piece so i highly encourage folks to go check that out if they have not already done so but uh, what would you like to reveal to the good folks uh, ahead of a, a new college football or college football college basketball season and uh what you wrote it feels like a new football season still but True. um no i i'm coming back uh i had sort of toyed with the idea this off season of you know quote unquote retiring from what i would call full-time coverage of mm. uh, college basketball you know i don't make a ton of money off this it's not a big deal i don't need to it's you know it's just like a passion project right but you know i thought about it for months and kind of battled with some personal things that i talk about in the piece uh, and going through all of that, you know, really helped me see like the value of the work I do, you know, like that it's not all for naught. Like people do care about this and people like really love the writing in a way that I didn't foresee, I think when I started and I'm just very grateful for that. And so the gist of this is I'm moving the site to Substack, which is what you're on and you've had it for a long time i feel like you're quite the fan of like at least the usability of it right mm -hmm. so i mean I, it'll move to that it'll be a paid newsletter instead of like just free for all content but at this point i'm fine with doing that you know if it loses a few readers whatever there'll still be one free post a week so but uh more on that like coming i think october 24th is when i've slated to 
you know, quote, power up the Substack that I have like the URL reserved for and whatnot. So I'm Do still we know figuring that? out my way around it after five years on WordPress. So yeah, I'll never go back. I mean, the newsletter portion is the way to go. Just be, it's so much easier, and you don't have to deal with uh, just keeping the website up to date and uh, the server and all that kind of stuff. I do that with my homepage for the podcast and stuff like that. But that's more of like the the landing page and that sort of thing. Uh, when people need to get more info, just to redirect. But no, it's uh, there are so many different ways to. Uh, to access content now, but uh, I definitely think the newsletter for you will be will be a good one. Uh, people open up their inbox during the college basketball season and seeing some Tennessee slash college basketball stuff from Will uh, is good. Uh, and I think it's interesting the the passion project aspect of it. Will is just that like I think you'll be able to kind of keep that. I think it's easier to keep the passion when it's not your main thing. When it's uh, when you got other stuff going on, it it's kind of like there's less pressure. Um, you're doing it more for the fun of it versus you're just like, I gotta, I got to do this for a paycheck. Um, I think that just changes your, uh, the, you not the substance of what you're writing, but just kind of your perspective on what you're doing day in and day out. And it doesn't feel as much like work, um, as it does when you're, you're getting paid for it. Um, that's your main livelihood. I think there's more fun in that because I mean, that's how I got started and, how so many other bloggers, podcasters got started. It's just that like you were just doing this for fun. You're operating at a loss for a really long time. And, mm -hmm. uh, but you still ultimately wanted to do it just because you felt like you had this calling. Like, I don't think I could ever just not do it. I talked to my wife about this and just certain things like ahead of time. You're like, Hey, are you okay with this? Because I don't see a path to me ever being able to like walk away from the podcast or walk away from sports writing or anything like that, because been doing it for so long and i just i can't imagine not doing it i think that's kind of where mm -hmm. you uh, arrived at with college basketball in tennessee is just that like this is one of your passions and there's a market for it and it, it brings you joy so keep doing the things that bring you joy right yeah and like you said i mean we had a discussion about it as like a quote family unit aka my wife and i this offseason like mm. like is this worth going and she's you know hyper supportive of it and very thankful for that Mm -hmm. and it's just like the you know a lot of people get joy out of it i still enjoy doing it and you know having an off-season refresh and not like having to you know do a bunch of research or look into various teams or whatnot aside from like my appearances on the show mm -hmm. and some like other longer term things i've been working on you know really nice to sort of unplug for a while step back and now it's like you know it'll be october 21st when people hear this so mm -hmm. october 21st 2022 feeling fully recharged ready to roll ready to get things out there again like i mean i don't know i'm just excited you know feels good to be excited again because i haven't felt that feeling uh in a little bit well i am happy and it naturally brings us will to uh wrong coach wrong team the yeah exact let's get opposite. i need to get less serious here so <laughs> let's if we can get some stuff that could get me uh, uh sort of on the quasi canceled train i think we could Really well, there you go. Here. Well, it's time for Chris Collins. Wrong coach, wrong team. Chris Collins, Northwestern. The Julia Dreyfus-led Northwestern Wildcats. The crying child at that tournament game <laughs> from years ago. Um, just kind of, they're okay. 70th, I think, in Kim Palm last year. You're like, what are my expectations for Northwestern? Like, what what is it about Chicago that Northwestern and DePaul just can't ever get it together uh, in that market? But I, I don't know. Is Chris Collins at this point uh, still 
the right guy for you at Northwestern. Uh, where are you at with him in this program, the direction of the program? Uh, this guy uh, needs to be fired. Like mm. today, he needs to go. I'm sorry. I'm one number one. First off, mm-hmm. very tired of former Duke assistants because <laughs> we're we are at a point where like none of these guys work out. Mm-hmm. Because shockingly, once you're away from Coach K, an all-time great, you kind of lose the juice. That's sort of how it was with Saban forever, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of like how there's not really many Urban Meyer coaching tree guys working out. Um, when you're separated from the all-time great, you sort of, it doesn't really work as well on your own. And that's like, yeah, Northwestern's a tough job. Not easy to win there. Literally one NCAA tournament appearance ever. And Collins is responsible for that appearance. But I genuinely think like they can and should look elsewhere because, I mean, can you say that he has meaningfully improved the program in a way that's not systemic from like the Big Ten improving as a conference? Because I don't think he has. I just, what do you want Northwestern to be? What is the path to Northwestern being a better program than what Chris Collins was able to do to this point? Is there a path up? Is there a a certain guy in mind for that market? Well, I mean, like, frankly, it should deeply embarrass Northwestern and DePaul that Loyola Chicago. Yes. Loyola Chicago, which was a terrible basketball program Mm. my entire life up until 2018, has completely stole the juice. Yeah. There's no juice for Northwestern and DePaul. Everybody in Chicago, per my friend who lives there, pretends to be Loyola alums now. Mm-hmm. So, which good for them. That's great, you know, SEO and great yeah. for Sister Jean, who I believe is still with us, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, good to hear. Um, but it's like, what one, you know, the Loyola thing is there, but two, if, the, if they were in a conference where they had like meaningful, you know, problems like with academics, like, you know, you can't get kids in the door because of academics. Northwestern is a really good school. Mm -hmm. Or two, if you were in a desolate area, like, I don't know, Iowa or Nebraska, where there's just not many D1 recruits, like in your immediate area, then it would make more sense. But we're in a conference here where Michigan, which is one of the most prestigious public universities in the States, has had one of the best basketball programs in all of the sport for 10 years now. And Nebraska, I understand they're bad, but Iowa has completely made over their program. They're good now. Like Minnesota is going to be, you know, more interesting this year. Penn State is on the up and up. It's not impossible to be good. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I I don't know. And, and, you know, I understand their football program has taken a real hard uh, downturn because Pat Fitzgerald seems to be stuck in, you know, like 2008. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was able to do what he was able to do there, which is win, you know, 10 games multiple times, that should be possible at the basketball program. Like you should be able to win 20 games there. You Hmm. should be able to like make the tournament more than once every 75 years. (laughs) I I mean, like it's, they're 26 and 71 in the big 10 since they made the NCAA tournament. You would get fired for that record at any school in America over a five year span. They should have taken a chance on like a Dennis Gates or something. Like they should, they should fire him and hire Drew Valentine. Ooh, hire Loyola Chicago's guy before Loyola Chicago's guy gets hired by somebody else. Yeah, but I think the problem is he could do better. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think he? This is it for him? Do you think this is last year at Northwestern? Do you think he's got a long term trajectory like uh, Pat Fitzgerald, where he's just kind of locked in? Well, Pat Fitzgerald wins games, but um, does he? And- Oh, well, he did. He has not won a Big Ten game this year. The last three years of Pat Fitzgerald have been 
awful. That's true. Well, they, like, they were in the people forget they're in the very fake and not at all real Big Ten title COVID <laughs> game. Um, but the the reason why Chris Collins mm-hmm. is still their coach, as far as I'm concerned, is he had a nine million dollar buyout last year, mm-hmm. uh, which was obviously like they gave him a new contract after they made the tournament. Understandable mm-hmm. at the time. You know, it doesn't look so good now, but you got why. Uh, and so I don't really know what that goes down to after this year. My guess is like probably five to six, maybe. Mm-hmm. given that there's three years left. So I don't know. I mean, like, it kind of comes down to, is Northwestern really willing to pay $6 million or whatever it is to find a new coach before, like, actually hiring a new coach, you know? And that's what I understand. Like, they don't, they have, like, one mega donor who is basically funding their new football field from what I've seen. I think that's but right. But sort of like the Stephen Ross of Northwestern. <laughs> yeah. But, um yeah, I mean, like, one, college sports, in college sports, money's not real. So just get somebody else. Mm-hmm. And two, get the loyal Chicago guy. I'm going to repeat it over and over before, like, say, Michigan State finds a post-Izzo succession plan. He's trying, man, with the, the what he's saying out loud. Tom Izzo is just out here like, please, make me retire uh, with every comment that please yeah. make uh, um, I, I will say like the, the yes. backup for them is like not very great because it's mm. like if you don't get through valentine then it's like you got eric henderson at south dakota state who is like really good but then you're like all right we're hiring the guy from south dakota state after we just hired a duke assistant is that really like rosier than that was at the time what about patino uh no not not gonna do it richard no. patino would i don't think rick will you don't think rick uh, could do it no, I, I think Rick might be set at Iona. Okay, he's just chilling at Iona. Yeah, it, it's like it's kind of like a like living in Aspen or whatever for a I'm college talking about a little place called Aspen where the fish flow like. Uh, oh man, I, I always messed up the line from Dumb and Dumber. I don't know if you know where I'm quoting. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about a little place called Aspen. <laughs> <laughs> um this is going to be a very coach heavy uh edition of the college basketball podcast with uh will and i because scott drew uh notably very wrong scott drew uh publicly said something that i disagree with this week he wants 128 teams in the ncaa tournament uh will i'm gonna go ahead and guess that you're uh against this idea of 128 uh, yeah moves to the next question <laughs> i'm kidding no um so this is just money, correct? Yeah. So I, I, I mean, whenever we see like, and I understand like when they first moved to 64, that was a quarter of the D1 teams. Mm-hmm. If you were to move up today, that'd be roughly a 90 team tournament. That's still far too many in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But like that to me is less offensive than 128. We don't need a whole extra round. Um, and that's the way he phrases it. He says, quote, I know that sounds like a lot, but everybody would have to win seven games. So it's just one additional game. But really, this is why I think this is a, there is great parity. And you look in football, about half the teams get to go to the postseason. OK, everybody's <laughs> happy about that. Find me a person who's like jacked up over like what, what is it? There's like the barstool bowl. I know that because I had the misfortune of Googling it. Hmm. But there is the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Wait, is he talking about college or NFL? He doesn't specify. Okay, if he's talking about NFL, then that's different. But like, even in the NFL, it's, you know, what, 12 of 32, 14 of 32. Yeah. But still, like, 
the way like so jim root from three man weave phrased it this way yesterday where it's like the 67th percentile of college basketball is so much different than the 67th percentile of like the nfl or mm. even college football yeah where it's like in college football I, I i don't really know off the top of my head who would be 40th this mm. year but like in college basketball you're not going to say off the top of your head like oh yeah utah valley has a great shot against <laughs> kentucky tonight mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I know Kentucky lost to St. Peter's. Still really funny. But like, I mean, like, do we want to see that? No. I don't. Also, what this like kills brackets. Like that kills all that. Who's yeah, doing 128 no, no, bracket? Like Dana in accounting is not going <laughs> to do 128 team bracket. No. Not when there's 64 different colors and mascots to have to figure out. Yeah, like it's just not happening. My wife's not doing that. No one's doing that. Like it's so, just no. I actually, I, I would. My controversial take, honestly, might be that sixty-eight is the best it's ever been hmm. because the the first four is a lot better than I thought it would be at the time. Like it's yeah. really entertaining. Year it's like the year. plan there's, for NBA now. Like it's yeah, a lot more. Always, there's one absolute banger every hmm. single year, without a doubt. Yeah. So I like the first four. We don't need the first eight. <laughs> we don't need the first 16 and we mm-hmm. don't need a whole extra round. And yeah. all this is, is just like a naked cash grab, which is unfortunately all college sports seems to be now. But what if we've... we just made Kentucky have to always beat a mid-major to get into the tournament, no matter where they're ranked, <laughs> they just have to beat a uh, St. Perry, St. Peter's at Jace to just get in the big dance every year. That'd be fun. Yeah. That, that would be the, uh, the Kentucky Utah Valley game. It's just like the, the Shibwe switch onto a point guard challenge. <laughs> oh, there you they go. They just keep failing over and over. <laughs> um i'm here for it but i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon i think there is pushback i don't think i think because it's so successful already i don't think there is an appetite for this i don't think they're going to rock the boat like that anytime soon i I think we'll see it we'll see expansion within our lifetimes yeah i mean like the world cup is going to 48 like various tournaments everywhere i mean like the nit has even expanded from what it was when we were younger but i i don't think there's going to be the appetite for really even like an 80 team tournament that Mm -hmm. some people think there will be i do think it's funny though like dennis gates who we both like in mizzou and did really great work at cleveland state um he's wrong uh he said Mm -hmm. quote it's time uh he said he would like to see it doubled um there are some great coaches left out of the tournament and some great players we don't get to see okay if you have a 128 team tournament, no one's getting seen all across the board. What that would probably create more of is more people only watching their team because they're like, I don't have time to watch all of this. What am I going to do? Like how are so many of those games are going to be going on simultaneously that like a lot of good programs and coaches are going to get upset very early on. You're going to forget entirely that they they were even there. Like there are going to be some big upsets that get completely lost in the shuffle. No, that is not no wrong and then mike white another guy i'm noticing a trend here tennessee or uh, georgia mizzou they want to get in they want to expand the tournament because that gives them a better odds of making the the tournament going to get in yeah like that's the only way you're getting in oh my god i just i don't like it that's terrible and it's not sound reasoning at all better coaches getting left out who's getting left out what coaches are we missing first four teams these are the four teams that were left out last year that are per bracket matrix so i don't have like the actual official list in front of me Mm. but these were the four that were like closest to getting in texas a&m 12 regular season losses smu eight eight but they're in the american conference which Mm. is not very good xavier lost like all of their games on the stretch 13 losses Mm. oklahoma 
went 19 and 16. Do you need to see those teams yeah. in the NCAA tournament? Like well, SMU, Porter Moser, he's just such a good coach. You got to get him in there. You got to get Porter in there. Well, yeah, I mean, like we really needed to see uh, 23 and 13 Xavier in the field. That mm-hmm. was what I was desperate for. What, but what is funny is like if it was a 72 team tournament, Travis Steele could still be their head coach. I wonder how many people are going to be surprised to see who's roaming the sidelines. At Xavier out of the I, I completely forgot Sean Miller was there right? until like last week. Where do you, like that Matt is just said Butler. Yeah. Like that's but that weird. one's easier to me because like they were just like so dire where it's like, oh yeah, Thad Matt is there. Whatever. That, that Greg Oden's really like the director of basketball ops. They're just creating Ohio State and Jace over there at Butler now, which yeah. hey, do what you gotta do at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sean Miller being at Xavier is weird, and Thad Matt just being at Butler is also gonna be strange to see at the sidelines. Um Will, extension for your guy, noted, <laughs> big, big, big Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse fan. He gets an extension at Vanderbilt. What did you make of this? Um, Did they have to? I mean, it's like, well, it's, I, I'm not being a troll here. This is not mm-hmm. a bit. I'm just being honest. Like, did they have to? Because it, it didn't seem to me like there's like a Stackhouse appetite out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so the the thing I've been seeing Vandy fans say online is that it's like, oh, NBA staffs might come after him. Mm-hmm. All right. When that time comes, uh, frankly, one, I don't feel like it's going to be a loss to let him go. But two, it's okay if you have the contract discussion at that time. You didn't really have to have it now when you're coming off of like, okay, you made the NIT, but the best player you've had in 10 years just left. Mm-hmm. And you're picked, I think, 12th in the SEC media poll, and I would put them lower. And they still have not st- they still have not started the SEC tournament on a Thursday yet. They've been an 11 through 14 seed all three years. I just... I Vanderbilt's it. a tough... It's weird because I think he could do better, but it's like if they pivoted away, they would have to, they would go back to the other side, right? Where they're like, because I think they pivoted to Stackhouse because like recruiting will go up. Um, Nashville's a fun city. Uh, a lot of kids want to be there. It's a fun young uh, people's town. And Stackhouse plays an NBA style scheme. So like that should work. You get Scotty Pippen Jr., great. Didn't translate to wins. But who will forget that time they almost beat Kentucky in the SEC tournament game? That was a, was a big <laughs> moment for the program. But, like, I I don't know. I, I think it, it kind of reminds me of what their football program's doing. And they're kind of hitting the same wall here where, like, the football team is just, with Clark Lee, they're demoralized after getting blown out 55 nothing to Georgia. And it's like, you're two, and you're like, oh, right, you still play in the SEC. Like, you can say all the stuff in the offseason that we're going to get the two stars and the three stars, and we're going to turn them into four stars. And we're going to develop, develop, develop. Okay, great. Who's falling off in this scenario? Who are you getting? Where are the wins actually coming when you're playing Alabama every year or when you're playing Tennessee every year, when you're playing Georgia every year, when you're playing Florida? Like, you open the list, like, who's falling off in this scenario for you to rise? And I just don't see it. Like they should be running the triple. They should be running like a serious, crazy air raid. Those are your two options at Vanderbilt. That's what you kind of have to do. And yeah. the basketball program, I think, should be looking at the same thing where you're like, I yeah, don't run think the they... Princeton offense or exactly like do something like that. I think you need to find some weird identity to make this work because I don't think the draft and like remember this former NBA player, Jerry Stackhouse, come play for him at Vanderbilt is going to work. I think we have enough data to be like, no, just 
just pick a scheme and identity that makes you unique and a pain in the ass to deal with uh, every season and see what happens. Because I, I just feel like that's the only way for Vanderbilt to thrive. That's just me. Yeah. And the, and the thing is like, whenever you read an article about Stackhouse mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, whether it's hot seat material or it's like people in the fence, everybody is like, Oh, he's an amazing X's and O's coach. Mm-hmm. And all right, that's fine. College basketball, as I feel like everybody knows, is a game of Jimmy's and Joe's. Mm-hmm. You gotta have dudes. And if if he doesn't really do it this year, because uh, so this is the classes of their projected starting five: senior, junior, senior, junior, senior. This has got to be the year if you're gonna make a little leap, like at least get to the top ten, because the recruiting has not been there. I don't think Jerry Stackhouse enjoys recruiting, frankly, because I don't really see them going out and getting anybody. You know, the top three recruits he's gotten during his tenure did not make it to a third season with him. They've all transferred out. Mm. And so I I don't think he enjoys recruiting. I don't, I mean, like, yes, he got like a four star this offseason in Lee Dort, but that guy is not projected to be anything more than about a seventh man this year. So we've got to see something, you know, and it's, we're at the point with Stackhouse for me where it's like, I don't understand why he got the extension unless it's for a reduced buyout. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I don't think this ends well. And I think this is just going to be paying Stackhouse more money in a couple of years to not be the head coach at Vanderbilt. And as a fan of chaos, it really limits who can be fired this coming off season. Mm. Cause now it's literally just Kermit Davis. That could be, I think barring like somebody doing crimes or whatever. <laughs> barring crimes. Well, it's like, really, if you look, if you scan the SEC coaching list because of all the turnover last year and because yeah. of this extension, it's really just Kermit Davis who could be a hot seat guy. That it in the SEC right now. Let me see. That's all. Mm. Unless like, unless there's a truly catastrophic sort of year from somebody. Mm, that's true like, like there Bryce really Drew, is no man there is so team. much turnover yeah goodness because you have florida georgia mizzou south carolina um mississippi state lsu all change coaches it's like half the conference yeah i mean it's kind of give you the dark horse of who might be the one if anybody changes this offseason who it might be? Uh, i have one in mind but i'd like to hear yours first i think it's calipari Ooh. mine is buzz if, Ooh. if things but it would get a better job opportunity that or i mean like they would have to go three and 15 in conference which does not seem likely yeah. at all but i, I mean like buzz, yeah i don't again i don't think they gotta save that money for the jimbo fisher buyout they're not going to touch the buzz one yet uh, oil's booming man i think <laughs> i can afford both uh yeah have you seen those gas prices I, I'm not up to date on any of that, or I'm not going to pretend to understand how any of that works. Um, but we'll see. Um, that is interesting. Yeah, I guess there really won't be any turnover in the SEC for a little bit outside of Kermit Davis. Um, and then just bring back Andy Kennedy. What are we doing? Just Andy Kennedy, old Miss head coach forever. Real just, easy hire. Real yeah, easy. Real easy. Um, coach, speaking of Texas A&M, uh, CBS Sports has a good piece on unranked uh, college basketball teams that uh, can make the 2023 NCAA tournament. On that list, who do you think is most likely to make the tournament? Uh, who's currently unranked and who is least likely on, from that list? So the the four teams listed here, Texas A&M, Xavier, Purdue, Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going Purdue. I Purdue is most likely not to or make no, it? No, most likely to make it. Sorry. Okay. They'd be my number one. And I'll do like a one through four here at the end. Okay. Purdue would be my number one. I freaking love Matt Painter. Mm. terrific terrific basketball coach 
everybody is like, oh, March, you can't get it done. And it's like, guys, it's Purdue. Mm -hmm. It's going to come eventually. They're consistently really good every year. I'm honestly shocked they weren't in the top 25 to start the mm -hmm. year. Where are they in Kimpom? They are 25th. I, I would have them higher than that. I'd have the borderline top 20. Uh, I think they're going to be, as usual, awesome offensively, as usual, kind of a disaster defensively, but like it'll work enough. Mm -hmm. uh, they're basically like Iowa East, hmm. but better. Uh, and with a cal much calmer head coach. Uh, I love watching Purdue, man. I think they're going to be really good again. Uh, after them... I would go Xavier. I, I don't really love the Sean Miller hire, frankly. Hmm. Uh, that rehab was quick, by the yeah. way. That PR rehab of Sean Miller. Field of 68, like man. It's, that's where you go. Yeah, uh, no comment. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, most of those guys are fine. Uh, yeah, I was um, surprised. One, so they had the Big East media poll, right? Mm -hmm. Surprised, honestly shocked to see them over Villanova for number two. Did hmm. not see that coming at all. Uh, but I, I mean, like, they're going to be good. They, they've got like a baseline of being top 40. I'd then go AM. and uh, I, I think like AM's more like a eight to 10 seed, like kind of that fringe where it's like, they're going to be good. I'm not really sure how good, but they'll be frisky. They're always mm -hmm. frisky. Uh, and then I've just got to see a little more out of Florida state, like on 65th paper in Kim Palm. Yeah. But on paper, that Florida state roster is not beautiful, mm -hmm. but it's like, Leonard Hamilton, you kind of trust him until you don't have a reason to. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be back in the tournament, but more like bubble than hmm. all the way back in. Interesting. Um, it's, I was just pulling up the Ken Palms. Like TCU coming in at 16th uh, preseason is wild. Uh, Virginia 5th was the one that really shook me. Well, Virginia being good, and look, uh, we're not going to be mean here on this podcast, but good Virginia basketball is not what the nation wants. You want to expand the tournament. <laughs> Do you want to? You're a real sicko if you want uh, Tony Bennett's group to be back and be in the final four <laughs> once again. <laughs> real, real sicko behavior to see the 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 who's back in the top five in Kimpom. Uh, I'm not going to like it. To keep them off TV. Let them do their own thing in private. But uh, for the normies out there, we don't want to see it. Um, we'll just check the box score. Oh, Virginia won again, 55 to 47. Great, great, great stuff all around. It really enjoyed it. They, uh, they're really, uh, the Iowa football. If yes, Iowa they football are. was like good. Yeah. Um, the Kentucky Indiana series is scheduled to return in 2025. Calipari, uh, announced, uh, recently. Will, are you excited? I feel like this was one of those just, Duh. Why aren't we doing this? Why did this ever go away? Uh, because Calipari hates playing in Indiana because yeah. he's scared. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. That's what all the Indiana people think. And mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe. But and Calipari does seem pretty against scheduling true home and homes unless it's Louisville. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, I think like, I, I think this is great for college basketball. My guess is that they're going to do like, it's going to be something like, you know, home away. And then we play at the Pacers arena. And it's like, Oh, thank God we can bring the NBA arenas back in. Mm -hmm. um, but really I'm willing to bet one American dollar that whenever they're due to play at Indiana, John Calipari is not on the sideline. That man truly hates playing at Indiana. And if he didn't, they would have had this series going 10 years before now. Well, 
either way, I'm just happy that it's happening. And uh, Indiana, sure. Kentucky on CBS on a, a 330 spot uh, in a couple of years will be cool, um, especially yeah. back in IU. So excited for that. Hey, just take what we can. Um, most interesting game segment, uh, Will. The most interesting game on Arkansas's schedule is which one? I've got two, and both of these are more like tests than the mm. true best game. So Arkansas is not going to play at least. Uh, I mean, they're in the uh, the Maui Invitational, but as like scheduled, mm. like not you know like sort of projecting. The first true quadrant one game they're going to play on the schedule is Oklahoma at a neutral site on December tenth. Mm. Really intrigued to see what happens there because I think Oklahoma while not a lock to make the NCAA tournament, is going to be like a top 30, top 35 team. Mm. They're going to be interesting. They're going to be tough. They're going to be an absolute meat grinder of a conference, both of these schools. So it'll be a really good test before things get rolling in both respective conferences to see where each is at. I want to see if Arkansas can score consistently on offense against a really good defensive coach in Porter Moser. Mm. Moser, I mean, like he built that Loyola defense into something truly special. And while it, you know, it wasn't perfect to Oklahoma last year, you figure year two, things are going to be more on the up and up. So I want to see that. And then the second one that really interests me is January 11th at home against Alabama. Hmm. So uh, I'm going to pull up the Ken Palm page to make sure I get this stat right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had that awful start to the year. You know, you lose those first three SEC games, lose on the road to Texas A&M. You're kind of like off the NCAA tournament picture at that point. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the year, they gave up above a 50% hit rate on twos three times. Hmm. One was in the NCAA tournament against Duke. One was against Florida in a tough road win. The third and worst two-point percentage they gave up uh, all season, actually, uh, was to Alabama on the road on February 12th in a one-point road loss. They were pretty much dominant against Alabama otherwise, but Alabama torched their interior in a way that pretty much nobody else did. And I want to see if Oates still has ways of getting to the rim against what, you know, like Jalen Williams is gone, but that's still going to be a really good Arkansas defense. So Mm. it's going to be a really good test in both of those games. The first one more for the offense, the second one more to see how well their defense holds up against an elite offensive coach. I like it. Um, the Kim Palm series, we're getting close to wrapping up here, uh, Will. Next up, Texas Tech. Chris Beard out. Look, doing great things. I think Texas is preseason number two uh, in Kim Palm for 2022. Uh, but look, the cup board was not bare. Um, Texas Tech is fine under Coach Adams. But where are you at now that we are going into year two without uh, Chris Beard leading things. And do you think Adams has him trending in a direction where Texas Tech can keep the, hey, we can make the Final Four every couple of years or be one of the best teams in the Big 12 for the foreseeable future? Because I think what you have to keep in mind with the Big 12 going forward is I think they are, their plan is to be the best basketball conference in the country. Uh, I think that's why you hire Brent Yormark, uh, Brent Yormark at, um, as your Big 12 commissioner from the Nets and their hires pulling in a lot of Pistons uh, personnel for the big 12 office. Like they're going all in on basketball, uh, from, uh, a, co- a conference standpoint. So Oklahoma and Texas are staying in the conference through 2025 now that we've learned. Uh, so that's big. This conference is going to be, uh, extremely, extremely competitive when Houston enters the fold next year. 
Um, and BYU, not a slouch uh, either. And we'll see uh, how they fare and UCF and um, who am I blanking on? Uh, UCF and who am I missing? UCF, uh, BYU, uh, Houston, and oh, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, yes. Uh, another one who we'll see what they're looking like, but they're on the uh, slow but upward trajectory there as well with uh, Wes Miller. But uh, what do you think about the current state of affairs with the Red Raiders, and are you optimistic about their chances in 2022 to uh, win the Big 12? Uh, I, I don't know about win the Big 12. It's just going to be a really brutal conference, but mm. – uh, the test for me with Mark Adams is not like, hey, can you go out and finish seventh again in Ken Palm? It's just mm-hmm. like, hey, can you keep this thing going, keep it stable, and be like one of the 25 best teams, you know, most years? Like for Texas Tech, that's an amazing accomplishment because mm-hmm. they spent so, so long in the wilderness. I mean, it, like if you're a newer fan or if you're just like didn't pay attention to basketball before 2017, you might not realize it, but like, you know, with Tubby Smith, Chris Walker, truly an elite list of coaches here, by the way. I forgot Tubby Smith was at Texas Tech. Three whole years. Chris Walker, Billy Gillespie for that one I remember. season. Uh, I think one and a half seasons. Maybe he yeah, didn't go well. canned. I don't know. Uh, Pat Knight, Bob's son. And forgot Bob about that. And uh, James Dickey before him. Yes. A long list of guys who were just not very good. Mm-hmm. Um like Beard took taking them from, you know, what that was to from 2018 to present, counting the Adams here last year, 11th, 5th, 21st, 17th, and 7th in Ken Palm. Truly otherworldly accomplishment. Now, the challenge for Adams is if you can keep that going, where you're like the baseline expectation most years, assuming like you don't have a massive rebuild or a catastrophic injury, is top 20 to 25 every year. Mm. That's great. And I, I think if he can continue to do that this year, and Ken Palm seems optimistic at 17th, I think they're probably closer to back-end top 25, if not a hair outside of it, especially with the Fardaz AMAC injury. Like, mm-hmm. we don't really know when he's going to come back. Um, but even so, they're going to be really good, again. And the baseline every year is, like, they're going to be really good on defense. It's just a matter of how much they can score. That was the case last year where, you know, They were kind of terrible offensively for the first two months. They put together the worst basketball game ever played with Tennessee uh, and then started around in the form as Big 12 play got going. Mm. That could kind of happen again this year if AMAX out for a while. Like They get a pretty soft run-up where, yes, they play uh, in the Maui Invitational, but aside from that, like they don't play a single top 100 Ken Palm team until New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get a really soft non-conference schedule run up, which is good for them. So it'll take some time for them to heal up, get back into shape, and then they can sort of really go at it starting January. So I, I'm really excited to see what they do. Adams is an elite defensive mind. If they can find the offensive juice to match, yeah, I think he's going to keep them going like top 15 most years. Who thinks their best player this year? <sighs> It's a tough one. I, I want to go Kevin O'Banner uh, mm. because I loved him at Oral Roberts and think, you know, he has the capacity to be just as good at Texas Tech. AMAC is going to put up the stats. Mm. I don't think he can stay on the floor enough. He's got some fouling issues. Davion Harmon is another guy that I want to see out there a lot too. I mm. think he's going to be a really good piece. So they've got a lot on that roster that's likable. A lot of pieces that are really interesting. It's not as proven, and for a big thing here, not nearly as experienced as last year's team. 
Last mm. year's team's average uh, college age was 2.5 years of college experience. Mm. This year's is 1.5, significant downgrade there. So I don't think they're going to be quiet as together, but I do think they're still going to be like pretty darn good, pretty frisky, pretty tough to beat on an average night. Interesting. So what is your prediction? Do you think they finish in the top 10 in, in Kimpom this year? No, I, I'm going to... What about defense? Oh, on defense, yes. Defense, I, I think they're like, a lot def- for top 10. Yeah, I feel like defensively every single year until we learn something new, they are going to finish like fourth. Mm. So they're always going to be good. Um, it's like Virginia, right? You're, they're kind of like... Well, that's never a sentence you want to utter about your program. It's like uh, Virginia. I mean, they're kind of close to it. The, they they were looking like Virginia for a lot of last year. Mm-hmm. So um, there's one thing college basketball needs. It's another Virginia. Yeah, we we need more of that. We need mm-hmm. more Iowa football. Who's the SEC equivalent? Who would do it in the SEC? Of uh of like great defense, horrible offense. Yeah, for basketball, who is yeah, it? It's kind of Tennessee. But really, I think this year it's going to be Arkansas, mm. where uh the make a three pointer challenge is going to be really fun to watch for them. Mm. Uh, I mean, Nick Smith can. Uh, I'd like to see a second player who can. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, I, I think they're going to be really good again. I don't think, frankly, that they're going to contend for the Big 12 title in a serious manner. I just think the top of the conference is too far ahead. Like, I think Baylor's better. Texas is better. Kansas is better. Um, like, they might be fourth, which is fine. Not a mm-hmm. hard thing. But, I mean, even then, you're battling it out with TCU right there. So, but I mean, if this group finishes fourth in one of the, what's going to be one of the best conferences I've ever seen in my life, um, can't really complain. There you go. Uh, Will, what would you like to plug as we wrap up here on uh, this edition of the show? Well, I've got a new thing to plug, which is how it's yeah. so exciting. So obviously there's a post on my site, but starting October 24th, you can find all my writing at statsbywill.substack. Mm. important to put the Substack in there if you don't just goes back to my old site i don't know anything about url forwarding because i didn't go to school for that mm-hmm. so i will have to google um but i've got pieces coming on tennessee basketball preview uh a little ncaa basketball preview and then once the season starts there's three pieces a week on ut hoops plus one a week on ncaa basketball at large mm-hmm. mentioned the first pieces on uh coaches that need to go the pieces after that will be a little rosier and less mean. So, but I do actually have one little stat here. Okay. Would you like to hear the computer average top 10 uh, for the sport this year? So this is Ken Palm, Torvik, Haslametrics, and uh, my man, Evan Miyakawa's site. Ooh. So this is from 10 to 1. Okay. It doesn't Tennessee really match up with the it in, right? people, though. I'm going to guess Tennessee's it. in it. Yeah. 10 to 1. Arizona 10th. Uh-huh. Duke 9th. And frankly, Duke should be higher. Kansas 8th, Texas 7th, Houston 6th, again, a little low for me, Uh, UNC 5th, Tennessee 4th, Kentucky 3rd, Baylor 2nd, Gonzaga 1st. So it's very very similar in some ways to like the AP Top 11, but Mm. just jumbled. Man. But you want to know the team from the Top 10 that's missing? The Creighton Blue Jays. Oh, they're going to say Villanova. In this. Wait, where, where are they? 21st in the computer. Mm, not average. a big Baylor Schneiderman 
Okay. Creighton's like what eighth in the AP poll, ninth. Yeah, I think they're like twenty something though in Kempom. So that yeah. variance doesn't. Something totally to really watch me. there. I'm always curious about teams that are either, you know, quote unquote over or underrated by the polls versus the metrics. Yeah. It's very. It, it's always interesting to see who wins out over the course of the year. So Creighton's going to be one of those test cases. Yeah. Um, a lot of Big East schools are like that though this year, where I, I think people could see two very different scenarios for a lot for a number of Big East schools this year. Yeah. Um, well, check out that uh, statsbywell.substack.com. Bookmark that today. New stuff coming over there on that uh, very Substack, and you know Substacks are good. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. All of us are over there on Substack. It's what the cool kids are doing here in East Tennessee. Uh, so Will, thank you as always, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.